The Rambam in his Mishnah Torah has a section, Sefer Amado, called Hilchot Tshuva. It's one of the Rambam's innovations, laws of Tshuva. And the Rambam, in that, in his description of repentance of Tshuva, puts an emphasis on vidui, on confession. In fact, it's not completely clear from the Rambam, I think, that there's actually an obligation to repent. It is certainly the case that the prophetic writings are replete with exhortations to the people to mend their ways, to return to God. In our service, especially on Yom Kippur, we are quoting several of these verses. Return to me, for I have redeemed you, says God. But the Rambam does place an emphasis on confession. One could see that, and I think Rabbi Soloveitchik, some of his drashot, he spent a lot of time on this concept of repentance, his shuva drashas, which were uh, very powerful discussions of repentance, both from a halachic standpoint, Talmudic texts, in terms of theology, philosophy. He saw it as, as part of, in, in general, he believed that there are certain obligations that are obligations of the heart, mitzvot shebalev, but they come together with an, an act. There's the act of the mitzvah and the fulfillment of the mitzvah. And one of his many contributions was to develop this distinction between the act of the mitzvah and the mitzvah itself. Prayer, for example, service of the heart, but the Talmud speaks about speech acts. And repentance can be understood the same way. Repentance is it a matter of the heart, of how one sees oneself in relationship to God and the other. But the mitzvah of tshuva, the positive commandment of tshuva, requires an act, and the act is the speech act of confession. In any event, whether we count tshuva as a mitzvah or we don't, it is certainly the case that there's a tremendous emphasis not only in the Rambam, but I would say within the Torah itself, on the act of confession. It appears in many places. Strikingly, it appears in the description in the Torah, in chapter 16 of the book of Ayikra, in terms of the sacrifice which atones for the sins of Israel, the scapegoat sacrifice, and there the Torah says that the priest, the Kohen, Kohen Gadol in that tradition, should place both his hands on the head of the scapegoat. Fitzvadalav, and he should confess upon the scapegoat the sins of Israel, all their sins, and the scapegoat is then sent out to the desert. So there we have the idea of vidui, and in truth, the discussion of vidui is found in other places in the Torah as well. In the book of Bamidbar, it describes, it uh, talks about a situation, someone who does a wrong, who wrongs the other, and it would appear from the context, and the Gemara understands it this way, chapter 5 of Bamidbar, someone stole something from somebody who is not around anymore, nor does that person have any relatives. The Talmud assumes it's a proselyte, Gezel Hager, and then you give it to the Kohen in lieu of the person. But there it speaks about confessing, confessing for what you did wrong. And similarly, earlier in the Torah, at the end of the book of Ayikra, which talks about the expulsion from the land, the Tochacha, in chapter 26, and talks about a return to the land, and one of the preconditions for returning to the land is that they shall confess their sins 
ויתוודו את עוונם ואת עוון אבותם במעלם אשר מעלו בי. So it talks about confession as a prerequisite to return to the land, to return from, from, from exile. And the Torah, similarly, in the end of Devarim, in the section we call Parshat HaTshuva, the text that is read just before Rosh Hashanah, chapter 30 of the book of Devarim, the end of the Torah says that the, this matter, Ki this matter is near to you, not too difficult. It's not in the heavens, but rather, to perform it with your mouth, with your speech, and in your heart. The question is, what mitzvah is the Torah referring to? Is it referring to the whole Torah? That's a possibility. Is it referring to the mitzvah of, of repentance? What is it referring to? So if it's referring to repentance, then perhaps with your mouth, that repentance requires an act, a speech act, and we call that speech act confession. In short, confession comes up in many places, and there are others as well, as a central piece of what it means to do tshuva. How can one understand the significance of vidui, of repentance? And part of repentance, part of speaking about what one did, in speaking about it, in describing it, in putting it into words, the power of that is to objectify what, what one did. It's actually out, you're putting it out there as a fact. When you put it out there as a fact, then it's much easier to then, and possible, to deal with this reality. Part of tshuva is to understand that what we did creates a reality. It's easy for us to forget that. And actually the fact that what we did creates a reality raises very serious questions about repentance altogether. Because in point of fact, whether I'm sorry or not sorry for what I did, I did it, it's a fact. It can't be taken back. It's, a, it's, a, it's not capable of undoing. Often, incapable of undoing. And yet we speak about repentance. So from that perspective, one can see repentance as simply an act of grace. It's not that we are deserving, but that's the promise of repentance being accepted, that God will forgive what was wrong in the past, and we can then move forward. In truth, the, re- the confession of Yom Kippur that we find in the Torah, there it's the priest who confesses the sins of Israel upon the scapegoat sacrifice. It is very interesting that in the understanding of the Talmud, and we find this in our reenactment of the service of the high priest on Yom Kippur, the Avodah, that is recited in the Musaf service, which of course reflects the Mishnah. The, in, the description of the Avodah in our prayers is actually a, a restatement, a poetic restatement of what we find in the tractical Masechet Yoma. The last chapter of Masechet Yoma deals with the Yom Kippur that we observe today. The rest of it deals with the service of the high priest in the temple. And that description in the Mishnah, for seven chapters, is the basis for the, all the different uh, poetic compositions which describe or reenact, as it were, the service of the high priest. So there, 
we speak not of one confession, but we speak of three confessions. Because according to the Mishnah, the priest doesn't only confess the sins of Israel. The priest first confesses on his own sacrifice, his own personal sins, and then he comes back to the sacrifice later and confesses the sins and all the sins of the priests. Not just his own family, but the priestly families. Those are the first two confessions, and the third confession, of course, you find in the Torah, the confession on the scapegoat sacrifice. So there is a tremendous emphasis on the need for confession. And as I said, confession is making something real and dealing with the reality of it. On Yom Kippur, we, of course, are engaged in many confessions. Typically, there's a long confession, the Alchet, and a short confession, the Yashamnu, that's recited in all of our prayer services of Yom Kippur, even before Yom Kippur. Even Mincha, before Yom Kippur, we are reciting the confession in our private uh, Amidah. Except when we get to the last service of Yom Kippur, the Ne'ila service there, the Ashkenazic rite has the short confession of Hashamnu, but instead of the long confession of Alchet, we have a different confession, and we'll discuss this on a different day, the confession of the Elah, which is very striking and very important to understand what the confession is. But I wanted to come back to the reenactment of the service of the high priest. In the Torah, it is clear that forgiveness is possible for the people through the service of the Kohen Gadol, which is the Torah reading of the morning of Yom Kippur, and the, the atonement service of the high priest, both atones for the temple, purifies the temple, and also enables Israel's sins to be sent away. On Yom Kippur itself, we are actually reenacting that service. It's very rare that we have in our liturgy a kind of reenactment. But we do have this on Yom Kippur. Part of the idea of reenacting the service of the high priest, in which we actually, in our imagination, are in that temple, are witnesses to what the high priest does. We're part of it. Part of it is, I think, a response to the problem that's raised by the Torah, namely, that purification and atonement are only possible through the temple ritual. We have no temple ritual. So one way that we deal with this is to say, we do have a temple ritual. We are going to reenact the service of the high priest. We are there. And we enter into this, I would say, mythic world in which we actually are there. We see ourselves as actually there. And the Torah says, when you reenact the service, on this day, with Nehashem Titaru, you are purified before God, that means in the temple. But the Mishnah, in our tradition, had another understanding as well of Lifnei Hashem Titaru. You are purified before God. And Lifnei Hashem Titaru, in our tradition, can mean not only you are purified before God through the service, through the ritual service, the sacrificial service of Yom Kippur, but Lifnei Hashem Titaru, you may be purified by standing before God. And standing before God can be understood as separate from the ritual in the temple, standing before God in prayer, standing in God's presence. That's the idea of Yom Kippur, that we see ourselves as standing before God, repenting before God, 
speaking to God, confessing before God, and only before God. And that's with Hashem Titaro. The rabbinic tradition took the idea of Yom Kippur and said, it's not just the temple. When there's a temple, the temple atones. When there's no temple, the very day of Yom Kippur, the experience of prayer, Lufnei Hashem, the very standing in God's presence, is what enables us to achieve atonement and purification.